You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 50 of The Music Room with Aileen Miracle and Katie Manichi. We are really excited to talk to you today for episode 50. Woohoo! Yay! In these very strange times, we are going to talk about digital learning in the music room. At the end of episode 49, I talked about how Katie and I were going to podcast together about lesson planning in the music room. We mm-hmm. were inspired by Tanya and Carrie from Music Teacher Coffee Talk because they did this awesome episode, which we can link to in the show notes, where one of them kind of outlined a kindergarten lesson plan, I think it was, and the other outlined a fourth grade lesson plan. And it was so cool to see from their different perspectives and different grade levels how they did that. So the original plan was Katie and I would discuss the same grade level because we actually teach the same classes for third grade. And I would talk about, for example, what third grade looked like in my room and then what third grade looked like in Katie's room the same week. However, times have changed. (laughs) (laughs) We decided that's not where people's heads are right now. People want to know about digital learning. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yes. Yeah. So first of all, Katie and everyone else out there, how are you doing? <laughs> I feel like every five or 10 minutes that changes. Yeah. How about you? I'll be doing okay. And like, okay, getting into the groove of being at home all the time and homeschooling my first grader and mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. And then every so often I go, Whoa, am I in a dream? No, I'm, I'm not in a dream. <laughs> Right? It's like, so- is this a simulation? Are we in the matrix right now? It's like a really long, strange nightmare. Yes. It's not. Yes. I'm really impressed with my daughter and my husband. They are both fine. Yeah. I my daughter know. loves all the online stuff that her teacher is rolling out. Like, she oh. just sits down and does her morning work like she normally would. Right. And I'm unraveling a little more. Yeah. Yeah. You're very much a people person. You're very much an extrovert. Yes. So I'm more of an introvert. So I'm definitely affected. But I think because my husband's got, and my oldest daughter, Jenna, and I are all introverts. Like, yes, we're not as affected as much as people who really like thrive on social interaction. I think some of it too is the lack of independence. It's very normal for me to just hop in the car and go grab something that I need. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a city girl too. And that's sort of my release. Like when I need to get out of the house, because we have, you know, a tiny house and a tiny family. And if I need a break, I just go to the sewing shop, you know? Right. So not having that outlet is tough. Yeah. I've actually been surprised with Macy and she is a little bit more of an extrovert, but she seems fine being Mm -hmm. In fact, like yesterday after we got done with her schoolwork, she marched from the living room to the dining room and said, hey, everybody, I'm home from school. Oh, how sweet. (laughs) And she like, it thinks it's funny that I'm her teacher. So she seems like pretty resilient about it. She's been calling it the sickness. She's like, we have to be careful because of the sickness. I'm like, yep, that's right. And she just has adapted. And I don't know if like, that's just kind of a kid thing. My 15-year-old is doing pretty well with it, too. She's pretty much homeschooling herself because she's in 10th grade. Sure. And has been actually working ahead a little bit because I think she's hoping to have a few days where she doesn't have anything to do, which I don't Mm -hmm. know. 
but yeah, like I think overall people are adapting pretty well. I think if I had to choose the person in the house that's having the most problem, it's actually me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like every now and then I kind of get teary. Yeah. But yeah. I'm surviving. It's okay. I enjoy the time I'm getting to spend with my daughter. Yes. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. And Tim, every once in a while, will just go grab his guitar and like we've been playing together. Yeah, we have played a few rounds of what Macy calls hide and seek extreme. Mm. (laughs) Me, Macy and Scott will play hide and seek extreme. And I've come to find out that Scott is a very good hide and seek hider. (laughs) (laughs) See things that I never would have known if it weren't for this pandemic. So (laughs) (laughs) the family time has been really good. You know, I like to look at the upside. Absolutely. That's what I have to focus on right now. We made it through the fourth book of Harry Potter. Oh, good. And I'm really surprised Nina watched all four movies. Yeah, it starts to get a little bit scarier once you get to, I think I feel like the third movie got a little bit darker. Like first pretty good, but then the third got a little bit darker. And Nina, up until reading Harry Potter, really only liked to watch cartoons. So Mm-hmm. It's kind of shocking to me how well she's been able to say, oh, this isn't real. So that's been really fun too. Yeah. We even got to the end of the fourth book, which is really scary. Yeah. In the fourth movie. And she was like, he doesn't even have a nose. I'm not scared of him. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, well done, kiddo. So we should all take a note from our first graders, I guess. Yes. Yes. It's a nose. It's all good. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I hope that all of you are doing okay. It's going to be okay. I keep, you know, just. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But because we have now been thrown, I think most of you, I think my Australian friends that I've talked to are actually still in school. That might change soon. But I think most of us are at home teaching digitally now. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to go over some things that we've tried and some challenges that we've had and some things that we're excited to try just so that you can maybe try that too. And I want to mention this whole week as we're recording this, I've been blogging about online learning or digital learning, and I can link to those in the show notes, which you can find by going to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com mm-hmm. on podcast and then episode 50. I also have a category on my blog that's called online learning. So you can just click on that too. So this whole week I wrote about like long range planning for digital learning and melody and rhythm and all that good stuff. So check that out if you haven't already. There's also um, my friend Nissa Brown has a really great Facebook group that's very active all about e-learning. I can link to that as well. And I know David Rao just came out with a website that has a bunch of ideas for each grade level for digital learning. So people are coming out of the woodwork with awesome ideas. So, you know, that's really great to see. All right. So let's talk about what we've tried so far. So I'll go ahead and start. So our district uses a platform called Schoology and not everybody has access to that, but I just want to mention that in case your district does have Schoology, that that's a pretty great platform for sharing links and sharing videos and all sorts of stuff. 
discussion boards and a conferencing feature that we'll get to later. So there's a lot that you could, it's like a great way to house what you want to give students. So Katie and I have both put together like folders within each Schoology course that are called like music lessons for school closure or something to that effect. Right. Anything else you want to say about Schoology? <clears throat> you know, I really struggled with Schoology over the years. I've taken courses in it and I feel really comfortable with it. But up until now, I wasn't really populating those classes. Right. And so I'm learning to love it now. There are things about the interface that concern me. Sometimes the social media aspects of some of it, the fact that you can like things. And right. um, those are things that I've really struggled with over time. But right now, it's really serving us well because our students can reach out very quickly. They can access resources really quickly. I still wish that there was a way that we could connect a little bit more seamlessly, as in I don't have any access to what they're seeing from their teacher or from other teachers. So I would like to be able to streamline and be more consistent about what they're seeing. It would be really interesting to see what kind of work they're getting from their teacher. Yes, because I want to help. I want to be more consistent in right. terms of the way I communicate. And so I think Schoology's been great over the last week, but I'm learning now, sort of filling in why I was struggling before. And I think that like at the school that we share, I think that second graders are somewhat comfortable with Schoology because I used it before the school closure. There was one class that I got to like the next rotation of lessons with. And we are working with a hyperdoc, which we'll talk about hyperdocs in a minute here. Mm-hmm. And I put it inside their Schoology course and they were able to get to it without any issues. Now they did say, oh yeah, Mrs. Chiswick, who is our librarian, we did this in library with Mrs. Chiswick. So I think okay. that's the reason they were comfortable. But I think some of the second grade teachers at our school used it here and there. But because I wasn't sure exactly how comfortable they were with Schoology, with first and second grade, I actually gave the assignments through a Google Doc, which I got that idea from you, Katie, so thank you. And the third, fourth, and fifth grade, I gave some information through that same Google Doc, but then I populated the Schoology courses. For those of you who are using Schoology, you just have to know, like, grade level-wise, how comfortable. Like, fifth grade uses it all the time, so the kids are super comfortable with it. And I think third, fourth, and fifth grade in general is pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. Like I said, for the kids that aren't using it as much, and I actually have had a conversation with one of our kindergarten teachers last night and today about Schoology because she realizes that it could solve some problems, but she mm-hmm. also knows that it could be kind of a headache because parents aren't used to it. And so to throw them into it at this point when it's already so stressful is maybe a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. What I suggested to her is using either a Google Doc or a Google folder or Google Slides. So that's the next thing we'll talk about. So the Google Doc that I put together, we actually, and this was the part that was Katie's idea, all the special areas, they were all in one Google Doc. So it would say like kindergarten music, here's what you can do, kindergarten art. Here's a link to a lesson, kindergarten, library, here's some information. And then it would go into first grade. And that way we could send out one document to the entire school population or entire community. But now that, okay, so as we record this, we have been told that we are closed until at least April 6th. Mm -hmm. Really certain it's going to be longer. So, and potentially until the end of the year, which is kind of a scary thought. 
So because of that, like the lessons that I came up with in that Google Doc, I'm good with for two weeks. That's good for two weeks. But now I'm looking forward to using other options because I want that more personal connection with my kids. Yes. Um, So I have been putting together some Google Slides where, and I actually have some templates in my store that you can download for free just to make it pretty because, you know, I like pretty. You can, like insert template. you can insert the template into Google Sites and then just type on top of it whatever you want the kids to do. So I was actually just putting one together for second grade where I recorded a video of me singing Let Us Chase This Girl, which I had already taught them. So I had them sing with me. And I said to them, like, now if you're in a place where there are, you know, some people in your family and you might feel a little bit weird about singing by yourself, like you can, if you have a Chromebook or a tablet or something, you can go to another room if you want, or you can ask them to go to another room, or you can just sing. I'm sure you sound great. You know, kind of like talk yeah. through that. Cause I can see that being a little bit of an issue where kids are singing, let us chase the squirrel to their computer. I don't know. <laughs> I want them singing, you know, I really want them singing. So I made a video of me singing Let Us Chase the Squirrel and asked them to sing with me. And then I put some visuals on the screen and I had them sing with me and like look at the visuals, kind of like a slideshow, like you would put up on your smart board, but it's in a video. Uh Um, And then I uploaded that video to my Google Drive. And then I inserted that video into Google Slides so that when I give them the link to the Google Slides, they can just like page through the Google Slides and watch the videos, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a little bit glitchy because you have to make sure even after you insert the video into Google Slides, you have to go to the video in your Google Drive and make sure that it's set to anybody can view. Yes. Because otherwise it'll say they don't have a question. I mean, I really love Google Drive right now because it really is making things easier, but there are some weird glitches that you have to watch out for. And sometimes I've even put that in the settings and I still have people that will request. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had a student that I think is requesting because it's view only and he doesn't understand how to make a copy. And I don't know how to drive home the point that I don't want him to be able to edit it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and like the hyperdocs, which I think you're going to talk about in a minute, Mm -hmm. the hyperdocs, they don't need to edit it. They can just work with it. They don't need to edit it. I don't want them to edit it. Right. So that's why I set it to view it only, but I have gotten several of those notifications that are like, so-and-so is trying to get access. Like, you don't need access. You just need to view it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. So hyperdocs. Yeah. That's something that you and I have both been working with before this closure. Yes. Um, But yeah, you want to talk about those? Well, most of my favorites have been created by you right now. I really, really appreciate the ukulele and recorder hyperdocs. I think they've really been well received by students too. I'm actually sending the ukulele hyperdoc to one of our art teacher friends later today because he and his first grade daughter are teaching themselves ukulele during this time. That's so fun. Yeah. So shout out to John on that one. John. I know, right? I really like the interaction. I like that it's self-paced and I think it's perfectly suited for this type of closure. Not that we could have foreseen that. So a hyperdoc, in case your listeners don't know, is a template that allows students to click on various links that are embedded 
and it's very visually based. So they'll see different pictures about a topic. So ukulele, for example, and in one corner, they might see what are the parts of the ukulele? And then they click on it and it will take them to a website or some other resource that will give them the opportunity to learn about the parts of the ukulele. When they're ready, they can click on another embedded link that will take them to another site or resource that allows them to then practice how to play. So I really, really appreciate that interface for our students right now. And I do have several students that I think are using it. Do you want to add to that? Yeah. I want to tell people who are listening that I wrote a blog post. The first blog post I wrote about online learning last week, I linked to a few at least two, maybe even three, I don't remember off the top of my head, HyperDocs that you can download for free. So that way you can see what we're talking about. So I'll make sure to link to that blog post in the show notes. But you can create your own too. But the like Kitty was just talking about the ukulele, there's another one which is in the blog post. It's like instruments of the orchestra. So Mm -hmm. the way that the HyperDoc is organized is this all around one concept. And then they have the choice, the students have the choice of what to choose, which I what I really love about that right now is that kids probably feel like they don't have much control over their lives right now. Yes. So it is so nice to give them a choice of you can do from this whatever you want. And even when I was doing them in class prior to all of this, I would have like an active music making lesson for maybe like 40 minutes or whatever. And then we would get Chromebooks, one-to-one Chromebooks, and they'd work for 20 minutes in the HyperDoc or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like when I first told each class, well, you get to do whatever you want in this HyperDoc, they were like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Oh, really? I was shocked how many students went right to the assessment. They love the quizzes. I know. I know. Yes. They love that quizzes. Yeah, that quizzes is fun. Yeah, they were like, oh, we get to do whatever. And it's funny because, I mean, I've done other things with them where they get to choose, like centers, when they get to choose whatever they want to go to. But I think anytime that they just get carte blanche of, like, do whatever on this page, they just are excited. And so I think, like I said, in this particular time in history, I think that's good for them. I agree. Yeah. And, and I think I, I've kind of like envisioned now that I've had a few days to kind of let all of this be absorbed in my system. I think the hyperducts were a good first step for the kids. They're not exactly active music making, although the ukulele one would be active music making. Right. Some of them are more like listening and responding than they are active music making. However, I think that's a good first step just as they're trying to understand everything that's going on and we're trying to understand everything that's going on and both of us do and so many of you listening do so much active music making in your lessons that I don't think you need to feel guilty about doing something where they're listening and responding sure if I'm being honest with myself I probably don't do that enough anyway I probably do more active music making than I do listening and responding Yes. I mean, so I look at it as like some of these things that we're giving them right now are hitting standards that I'm not always great about hitting. Like there are certain standards that I hit all the time, right? The singing, the literacy, like I got that, right? But some of them like moods and music, which is another hyperdoc that you can download for free in that blog post. Moods and music with first and second grade, I wasn't really doing that. I'm going to be honest, you know. In some ways, students being at home eliminates that classroom management barrier. Yes. So, you know, a lot of times it feels like a real shift to go from active music making and so much excitement in the room and then to try to 
switch the mood mm-hmm. and eliminate distractions so that kids can truly listen and reflect mm-hmm. feels jarring. Yeah. And sometimes I just don't get there. Yes. And that doesn't mean that I can't manage my classroom, but I want the kids to move and I want the kids to be active during that time. Right. And I should say, like, it's not like I'm not ever asking the question, like, what mood is this on? Like, I've touched oh, sure. there, but I'm probably not doing it justice, I guess. But now, because of that hyperdoc, I feel like, yes, we are definitely yeah. coming to the standard because I really delved into it much more than I would in a typical lesson. So, so try not to feel guilt, I guess, is yeah. what I'm saying. Like, we're doing what we can do. And so, like, this first phase for me, I think, in my journey with this was the hyperdocs worked really well, the stuff in Schoology, all of that worked really well. And the second phase, which I am predicting will happen after this because I don't think we're going back is more active music making where they're watching videos of me singing like I talked about before. You know what I mean? So like I'm looking at this in phases because I think that's a healthy way to do it. Well, and you and I have had the conversation. We're in Ohio and Ohio has really, as far as I've I've been able to watch sort of led the pack on a lot of the decision-making. And I've been really impressed that our governor has kind of given us tiers of information. Yeah. And I had that conversation that we didn't even realize how much we were going to need to process this in chunks. Yes. So in the same way, I feel like our planning is going to be that way. Like I just wanted our students to have access to as many resources as possible in these first few weeks. Mm-hmm. And now that they have those resources, I feel like my next phase will be a little bit more structured. Right. And okay. Now that you have those resources and you've interacted with them, mm-hmm. this is an actual task I want you to complete. Yes. Yeah, like the first part is more exploration. You get to choose, and that's really what they needed after spring break. It can be more like, this is the task that I want you to do. Yeah, like an increase in focus as to what to do. Yes, yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, So okay, so those were hyperdocs. And then I found this tool. Now, this is a paid tool. I think it's like $35 a year for teachers, but it's called ThingLink. Thing. Oh, this is what I used to make the digital escape room. Oh, oh yes. That was so cool. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about this. So I have posted a couple of these digital escape rooms on my TPT store, one for T-Ticket and one for instruments of the orchestra, but this would be a great tool if you're willing to pay the $35 that you could create your own materials as well. But it is like you can insert a 360 image and then insert points on the 360 image that lead kids somewhere. It worked really well with a digital escape room, but you could do it with anything. So like if you're wanting them to explore about jazz, let's say, then you could insert some kind of 360 image about jazz (laughs) and insert points where they like read about jazz or they listen to jazz or whatever. And they just have to, you know, if you think of a 360, it's kind of like you can look all around 3D kind of thing. So you can click on that point and then it'll take you to a YouTube video or it could take you to a website or it could take you to a Google doc. It's so cool. So it's similar to a hyperdoc. Yeah. I think the engagement level is very high. Yeah. It's because it's so interactive and visually. 
dating. If you're like not sure, do you want to spend the $35? I totally get it. You could make one on your own just to see what it looks like. And then if you want to share it, that's when you have to pay. Got it. But I'm telling you that if you create it, you're probably going to want to share it because it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Be prepared that you'll want to pay the $35 a year to do this because it's so cool. And along with that, so I figured out with this thing link how to make it to be like a digital escape room. And then I discovered Google Sites, which I had never really played with before. Have you ever played with Google Sites? I really haven't. Yeah. And you know what? I will say another upside to this whole situation is that you know, I'm really tacky and I love technology and I love mm-hmm. exploring that, but sometimes I just don't have the time. And then I think there are other people who are maybe not quite as comfortable with technology, but if they had more time, could explore and learn and be excited about it, right? Yes. So I think this whole situation has kind of shoved people into using more technology, let's be frank. Yes. Uh, but at least now we have the time to sit down and kind of learn a tool. So um, with Google Sites, it's kind of like you can create your own website and it's really user-friendly. Like you can just click on the side for, yes, I want to add a header. I want to add a text box. I want to add a picture or whatever. And you can kind of create your own website. That's what I use for my digital escape room. But I could see that being great as a collection of information. Like if you want to, let's say, instruments of the orchestra or um, music from around the world or something, like you could insert a header with that mm-hmm. title and then you could insert a website and you can insert some text and you can insert a Google form. Like it's pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then the last thing on my list that I'm super excited about, because I think I just figured out how to truly do it in a way that's pretty seamless is Pear Deck. So you and I both heard about Pear Deck from a mutual colleague named mm-hmm. Emma, who's been on the podcast before. She's, right. uh, she's on about coding and there was another topic, I think rejuvenation over winter break she was on the podcast about. Yeah. So she told us about Pear Deck in a class that we took. So like a few weeks ago, we were in this class and she taught, t- told us about Pear Deck and I was like, oh, I, I really want to look into that. So Pear Deck is a Chrome add-on and through our district, we actually have, I think the premium version. Okay. But I think it's free to use up to a certain point. I'll check on that, but I think it might be free. Okay. You want the premium features you have to pay, but because our district paid for it, we have the premium. In like a, let's say Google Slides, you go to add-ons, which is on like the far right. And you choose Pear Deck, and then you can choose these interactive slides. Now, the way it works when you're actually with a class is that, let's say they're all one-to-one, they all have their own device, or maybe they're in small groups or whatever, and each small group has their device. You could be presenting on your smart board or interactive whiteboard or whatever, and they can see what you have up there. And they have it on their device as well, but they can actually interact with it. Like they can draw on the screen. They can type into like a little box. They can type their answer. Great. So that's pretty cool for a whole class kind of activity or a small group activity. But I was thinking about this maybe yesterday or the day before. I was like, you know, I wonder if there's a way that I could use this right now, even though I'm not like there with my kids. And I don't want to have to plan for like a live presentation because I'm not sure how many kids would show up, you know? Right. So I wonder if they have like a homework mode. They do. So I might even create some kind of tutorial about this or a blog post probably I'm thinking. But what you can do is there's a way to do like homework mode. So they click a link. It takes them to this Pear Deck. They read what's there. They interact with it. 
they close out their session, it's sent back to you. That's great. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to play around right now. I think there's a way that they have to be logged in so you can see who's actually responding. Or I'm thinking of instead of having to have them log in, especially because I was going to do one for second grade, that they could just type like the first name and their classroom teacher into the box and that could be sent to you. And then they interact with the next few slides and then boom, they're done. So we talked yesterday about how that could be a good way to see who's actually doing the work, you know, because right now with what we've left, like we don't really know. There's not a lot of accountability, but I also think it's hard to ask kids at this point for that accountability. Yes. So again, that's like the second phase. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what, like that, I would say Pear Deck is a little bit more advanced with technology. So I hope that I haven't just overwhelmed anybody, but if you're looking for something more interactive, I'm going to try to write a blog post, but you can also find some Pear Deck tutorials online. I don't think it's too hard to figure out, but there are a few steps you have to go through, but that could be a really cool way to interact. Yeah. I agree. That's all I have. What else do you have? I mean, you covered a lot of it, but I think for me, and again, I'm the extrovert of our pair. So my mind goes directly to music is an interactive experience at its best. So I've really struggled with the fact that our kids, Macy and Nina, are going to keep hearing music every day. Yeah. But I just wanted to give our students the opportunity and the resource to hear me singing to them. Yes. Because that breaks my heart. So Music Teacher Coffee Talk, Tanya and Carrie, mm-hmm. had suggested Loom, which is another Chrome extension. Mm-hmm. So it's a download through the extension. It's just really easy to make videos. The first couple of days I was doing picture book videos mm-hmm. and I was... I was using my phone primarily and it takes forever to upload things. It was just really clunky. Yes. So this is just very quick, very quick and easy. It's similar to Screencastify, but I think it's a little bit easier to switch so that it's camera only so you don't see the screen. So I would say it's very, very similar to that, but I do like it. I think it was really streamlined and it downloaded so much quicker to my computer. And then I was able to upload it to our district's version of YouTube. Yeah. So I do, I would highly recommend that if people are making videos for their students to use Loom. And then I've already used Flipgrid with students before. It's just one other way that students, when I teach my recorder unit, can receive a belt. They can upload a video rather than playing in front of the class. Right. And my assistant principal at one of our mutual schools suggested because I actually teach her daughter as well. Maybe we could do our recorder recitals, which were supposed to be today and Monday mm-hmm. virtually. So I added to that same platform that the kids were used to doing recorder belts, a section for each class to upload their recital piece. Oh, that's fun. So yeah. So right now we're doing an inter- like a virtual recital mm-hmm. and we also at my other two schools, yours and mine, and the third place that I teach, I set up share day or yeah. share spaces so that if people just want to interact by posting a video of something they're playing at home, students can play on their own or with their family mm-hmm. um, and then get some feedback from their classmates. So I did set up flip grids for those other 
classes as well. And it's really neat. Some of the students are starting to post things. One of my students put on her Irish step outfit and shoot. It's one of your mutual. And like, yeah, and uploaded a video. I mean, it's yeah. just really neat. Yeah, I would love to see that. That's well, I'm actually co-admin on that, right? I could see. Yeah, it. yeah. And the same student then posted a second video and was doing one of the ukulele play-alongs. So that made my heart happy because she actually chose to share something from one of the resources we had given. So yay. Yeah. So I feel like that level of feedback and interaction was something that I was just really worried about with the kids. So Flipgrid's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And Flipgrid can also be used like our principal posted a Flipgrid that we could just talk to and kind of like interact with each other that way. So like on Tuesday, he posted a Flipgrid of like a new tool that has been great to use in this digital teaching environment. Uh, And so people could post a video about that. And it was really fun to just like hit play on each video and hear people talking. Yes. I don't know if you saw, but I made one for our music team, but no one's made a video. No, I saw that yesterday and I haven't logged in yet. We'll do that. <laughs> has, anyone, has anyone shared yet? No, not yet. But I think no. you know, <laughs> we, we've, we've had this problem before, right? I have folders for different topics. And so I wonder if people that might have a folder just haven't seen that there was a music email yet. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and I think people are maybe slightly overwhelmed right now. too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so Flipgrid is also a great tool. Yes. So is that as far as what we've tried? Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to what our struggles have been. Before we go on, I should say that's a lot we've tried. <laughs> what we've tried. That is a, that is a long list. Time. I mean, not that I have like loads of time because I am also homeschooling my daughter, but <laughs> right? just to have time to just sit down and go, I'm going to figure this tool out right now. I'm going to watch some YouTube tutorials. Like I don't usually have that time to just yes. sit down and learn something. So yeah, it's been good. So our struggles. Mine has been, okay, so I noticed this, gosh, when was this? This was probably today's Friday. I think Wednesday is when I really noticed this. Between just what I was doing with music, Mm -hmm. and I was helping out one of our colleagues uploading videos to Google Drive, which can be glitchy. Mm -hmm. And I was helping out teachers in general because I'm the instructional technology chair at our building. Mm -hmm. And I was homeschooling Macy. And I was like trying to learn all the things. This is when I was like, oh my gosh, I think I can use Pear Deck. And my mind was exploding with the possibilities, right? So I had like all of this stuff on my plate and I just sat at my laptop for like too long. Yes. And I was like, I have to close it. And I started to get a little overwhelmed. And I realized I have to set up some kind of schedule. Like I can't do this to myself every day. I can't, I have to pace myself because there is so much to learn and so much to do. And you have all these like Facebook posts that are coming your ways and emails. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a bunch of emails from like businesses and also from marketers and all about what to do in this new environment. And a lot of it is really good information, but it's a lot at one time. So sometimes you just need to walk away, first of all, and take a deep breath and know that you can only do so much at a time. And I think also, like, I wrote out a schedule for the next day for me. Like, I had a schedule for Macy that we're loosely following. Maybe not completely loosely, but 
she likes to look at the schedule and see what's coming up next. But sometimes instead of math, we do language arts or sometimes I give her a break. Yeah. I'm not supposed to have a break or whatever. We're, we're being a little bit flexible with that. But I realized I needed one too. Uh-huh. So I like looked at her schedule and looked at my schedule and kind of put something together. Know that necessarily I'm going to do that every day, but I think that was helpful to kind of go, okay, what are your goals for tomorrow? What do you need to do tomorrow? What do you need to do with Macy tomorrow? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was helpful. It's setting up some kind of routine and also giving myself grace that I don't need to learn it all now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just I've struggled with some emotions coming at me here uh-huh. and there, especially when you're listening to like the news. Which I am not doing. <laughs> we are every now and then. Sometimes we're like, okay, we have to turn this off because it's too much. <laughs> so I think it's good to be informed. So I'm still, we're still watching, but we have learned that some channels are better than others <laughs> for not seeming so extreme, I guess, uh-huh. dire. HLN is kind of light, you know, so you kind of get an idea of what's going on, but it doesn't feel like so apocalyptic, I guess. Yes. So, and I started to go into a tailspin yesterday about something I read for how long this is going to last. Yes. So sometimes you just have to step away. Uh huh. I know that some people are writing the worst case scenario, and that's the worst case scenario. And that is. And again, if you can handle that chunk of information, that's fine. But I'm learning to accept that I'm not going to be able to take everything in at once. So some people can handle that information right now. Yes. I cannot. Right. (laughs) What about you? What have you struggled with? I learned very quickly that I still have to take a shower every day. (laughs) Sounds really silly, but like that is how I start my day. I'm not a coffee drinker. Mm -hmm. And Monday around two o'clock, I still hadn't showered and I was starting to feel like the big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. Like I was a little afraid for myself. (laughs) So I realized right away that I have to start every day like I normally would. Yeah. And I work better on like a checklist because if I set myself a full on schedule and I don't follow it, I feel guilty. Right. So for me, it's more, did you go on two walks today? For me, that's feels like I have that level of accountability, but I don't feel like I let myself down by not following the schedule. Right. And that's just how my brain works. I think as a naturally anxious person, I struggle the most when I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, the unknown of, it would almost be easier for me to be told right now, you're not going back to school this school year because then I could put together an action plan. And I think that's why I did so much exploratory resource for my students because it was like, okay, we've got two weeks. I'm just going to give this information to my kiddos. They can explore however they want. But to me, if it's going to be eight more weeks, of instruction, then I need to start to plan differently. Exactly. So that unknown piece is really hard for me. And then I think I'm struggling with not really being the primary contact for our students Mm -hmm. as a special area. For example, when I made the Flipgrid, Mm -hmm. well, I can put that on our Schoology page and I know that some of our students are interacting with that Schoology page But I don't want it to just fall on deaf ears because I'm not the primary person. It's not natural for me to be the direct contact. So when I make this great resource, how do I make sure everybody knows it actually exists? Yes. Um, 
without putting that on the classroom teacher, because I don't want them to feel like they have to manage me as well. Right. But they're also the person that kids are going to go to as their primary contact. Yes. And you just sent out an email that said, hey, classroom teachers, if you don't mind sharing this link, that would be great, right? Yes. So I think that was perfect. Yeah. Just spread the word, right? Not making them feel like it has to be one more thing that they are left to communicate, but it also just makes sense for them to, th- to communicate it. Yeah, that's a good point. If we're making really great stuff and I don't want it to just be left to yeah. the five or six kids who are diligent about checking the music schoology page. (laughs) Again, it would be nice to have some sort of access to those other pages that the kids are seeing. Yes. There is a way in schoology to do completion. Did you know that? Have you checked that out? No. I'll see if I can hunt down a tutorial or I'll show you. I haven't tried it yet, but now that I'm going to be doing some actual assignments after spring break, you know, actual like a typical lesson ish <laughs> where I'm face to camera and they're watching me. Yeah. We could insert that link as an assignment and then it'll show who's completed it. Yeah. I feel like it might almost be helpful for our students to have some hybrid of a menu or almost like a syllabus going forward so they could kind of check that off. And then they can work ahead if you know for the Jennas of the world. Yes. Um, right. Or they can pace themselves, however it's going to be best for them. Right. Yeah. It's just something I'm thinking about. Yeah. I want it to be joyful. I don't want to lose that level of joy in music making. So I want to give those resources, but I also don't want kids to feel inundated or bogged down. Right. Just a tough balance. Yeah, it is. I think it's also helpful. Like I just recorded some videos yesterday Mm -hmm. and started putting them together in Google Slides. And I think what will hopefully make that more successful is it doesn't really put anything on the parents. Yes. Really like click this link and I'm going to teach your kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think just looking at it from a parental perspective, a lot of parents are probably really overwhelmed right now. I think you and I are both lucky and the people who are listening are probably pretty lucky in that as music teachers, We still have a lot to do during the day when we're digital teaching, but we have a little bit more flexibility than somebody who like works at an office, quote unquote, at an office, but they're at home and still have tasks to do every day and have a very full work day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So I think like if you have something that's more like the student can just click through slides and learn. Yes. That probably makes it easier than like read your child this and have them do this. Do you yes. Know I, mean? yes. I think, and I'm not at all trying to guilt anybody who's done that because we were doing what we had to do. Yeah. In the amount of time that we had, but I think looking forward to the future, it could be helpful because it would give more of a, it's more of like a authentic music lesson experience anyway, for them to sing with me, you know? Yeah. I like that idea. You know, you and I both do a Google slide as our like I can and agenda for the day. Yeah. I almost wonder going forward if it would be helpful to make like a Google slide in that same way so that each lesson is a Google slide and then we just embed links to the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Actually what I've come up with so far on my first slide, I had directions for what they're doing, but I kind of like the idea of adding one more slide as a first slide 
that has like the activities and the I cans because that would be more authentic to what they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. I feel like we should explore that a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Also, I think it's worth noting to anyone listening that that's this, this is how we're learning, right? We're working through this right now. Things are formulating. As we talk to each other. As we talk to each other. Exactly. Yeah. So still have those conversations with your colleagues, Mm -hmm. colleagues that you know you work really well with. Yeah, Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Anything else about struggles? No, just that the struggle is real. (laughs) It is. It just is. (laughs) Our new normal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here is what we're excited to try. So we talked about what we've already tried, but now we're going to talk about what we're excited to try. Yes. Okay. So here's something that when I recorded those videos yesterday, I actually presented Cinco Pa in the video. Cool. I have never presented over video before, but I was like, they need to know it. So I'm going to teach it. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting, like I would ask them a question and like give them a moment to think about it and then be like, yes, oh, maybe you answered this. (laughs) (laughs) I even did like wrong answers. So I was like, let's figure out what goes right here. And I had like a little dry erase board. Yeah. The rhythm to Liza Jane. And I'm like, well, if this were a tea ticket, maybe you were thinking tea ticket. If it were a tea ticket, it would sound like this. And I would sing it. Uh-huh. It sound right. Maybe you were thinking ticket tea. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. We're just going to try it and see how that is. So that's something new. Also through Schoology, something that you and I have talked about trying is there is a video conferencing feature within Schoology. Yes. Really cool. Now, if you don't use Schoology, there are some other platforms that you could try, but a word of caution here, you might have to check with your technology department to see what is approved by your district. For example, Loom is fine, which is what Katie talked about before. Zoom is not, or Google Hangouts, Neither of those platforms are approved by our district to use with students. And Correct. Privacy issues. Now, maybe in your district, it's fine, but you just want to check with your district. It's really cool that there are so many companies that are reaching out that are like, you can do this for free. That's awesome. However, you just want yes. to make sure you don't, you're not doing something that's not approved. Well, and the reason that Flipgrid is readily approved by our district is because it asks you to log in with your school account. Ah, uh, yeah. So, there's that security aspect that protects our students so that they're sort of insulated within the Flipgrid site, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I might try a virtual choir. I don't know. It might be a lot of work, but I think this would be really cool. With my choir, it's something I've been kind of like mulling over as a possibility. Uh And Katie Wardrobe, who is amazing, by the way. She's actually been doing some distance learning. She's in Australia. Okay. So she, she goes by the name Midnight Music. Like she has a blog called Midnight Music. Oh, okay. Really techy, has some really great stuff, but she just did a YouTube live the other day. I will link to that in the show notes as well. Just listening to her talk through distance learning calmed me down because she has- Yeah, some- I'll have to check it out. A really soothing voice. And because she's been doing it for a while, she has, I think, more of a global perspective. Like she can look at it from more of a bird's eye view than a lot of us can because we were just shoved into it. 
Yeah, it's fabulous, this video. But she also is in the e-learning group that my friend Nissa Brown created on Facebook. And mm-hmm. she posted about virtual choirs the other day. And I was excited that she did because I had been thinking maybe I could try something like this. And it's so funny because I had a conversation with my husband, Scott, about it. And he was like, sweetheart, that sounds like it could be a lot of work. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably a lot of work. And then in her post in the e-learning group, she did say something to the effect of a word of warning. <laughs> a lot of work, especially a lot of work. <laughs> choir. And I have like a hundred kids in the choir. So I don't know, like, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to see if I can figure out a way to do this, perhaps using Flipgrid, perhaps using something else. And I'm thinking I might have a recording that they could sing along with. And Mm -hmm. then maybe I could put them in a round. (laughs) I don't know. Yes. Well, it's funny. I've been talking with a few of our other colleagues, my friend Renee, whom you're friends with as well. And we talked about trying to make a couple round videos using iMovie because now there's that split screen option with Uh, iMovie. Yeah. So we talked about trying to make some videos for the kids so that they could pick, you know, choose Mrs. Garcia or Mrs. Minichi to sing along with. Yeah. And so we looked at it more from, it would probably be easier for us as teachers to make the virtual choir rather than asking kids to do it yet. Yes. So, you know, just to model it first, because I love that idea, but yeah, it does sound like an overwhelming amount of work. Yeah. So I'm going to look into it and see if I can if there's a way that I think it's possible without a ton of work, yeah, I will definitely share that. Well, and you know, the team could try it first and yeah. see, you know, yeah. before we roll it out. Yes. So I'm going to look into that. And then the last thing on my list, you created these songbook videos, which are so cool, where kids can just listen and sing along. There's also a Facebook group called The Singing Space, which you can just search for on Facebook and join without any kind of questions or anything Uh because it was made so that parents could also join and they could just like play videos for their kids to hear, Uh they can hear singing and sing along and whatever. But then Timothy Byrer, I always thought it was Briar, but this is, he's like a friend of a friend. He just created this YouTube channel that has a bunch of videos of him singing along with books. So it's like B-Y-R-E-R is how you spell that. Yeah. Uh, So I'm super excited because like I watched one with Puff the Magic Dragon and he already has like such a calm personality, calm demeanor that I think that would be really cool. Like to share, I'm going to share the videos that you've made, Katie. And then like just as like an optional, if you want to, you know, listen to some singing, here's a great book or here's a great song or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to keep adding to the collection that I've started. And a few of them have my daughter in them too. (laughs) What are you excited to try? Well, I want to start wrapping my brain around finding out what the students are actually doing. Like we we are sort of talked on. So I don't know if it's going to be a Google form or like I said, like some sort of version of like a menu or syllabus that kids can check off. Maybe it'll end up being in a pair deck. I don't know. But I want to find a way to collect some data on how the kids have actually interacted. So I'm excited to figure out how to solve that problem. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know. Alexa just all of a sudden came on and started talking during that. 
Well, hello, Alexa. <laughs> you must have said something that sounded like Alexa and she was answer your question. And then she said a bunch of stuff that I didn't hear. So I missed that last part. Wouldn't it be amazing if she answered the question? Because they said, I'm looking forward to answering that question. <laughs> I hear what she said. I was so distracted. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I haven't, I'm giving myself grace and not jumping to a decision, but I just want to take all of this information that I've absorbed or am absorbing over the last week and then come up with a way for my students to be able to really tell me and give me data on what they're using, what's yeah. actually working for them. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I feel like before I go forward, I really need to find out if what I'm offering actually works. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you'd like to think that people would reach out to you if something weren't working, but it would be good to know what did they actually do. And I did put a discussion board in Schoology, like below all of the materials, but I've had one kid respond so far. Yeah. So it's hard to know, like, are they doing it, but they're just not putting anything on the discussion board, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I hope that's helpful to all of the listeners as you're trying to wrap your brain around all of this. And I think like we've said, give yourself some grace that this is a learning curve and you're not going to figure it out all immediately. And if you're not super tech savvy, that's okay. Just, I would say like one tool at a time. Yes. And if you are having difficulty trying to figure something out, YouTube is a great place to go. Like it's funny because I think sometimes as instructional tech chair, people will come to me with questions. And a lot of times I don't know the answer, but I'll just like Google it, honestly, you know, or I'll look for a step sheet within our platform or something like that. And I'll figure it out that way. So you might have to troubleshoot some technology or reach out to a friend who you know is good with technology, but just try one thing at a time and kind of go from there. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy and all that good stuff. For sure. Yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about what we're consuming? Sure. All right. So I, I really like this TV show a lot. It is called Dispatches from Elsewhere. Have you oh, okay. It's on, I want to say AMC. It's the same channel that has Better Call Saul and we love Better Call Saul. Okay. That's been off of Breaking Bad. Dispatches from elsewhere. It has nothing to do with Breaking Bad. It's just on the same channel. But it's with Jason Siegel. He like does everything with the show. He stars in it. He's like the director and maybe the writer and the producer and like a bunch of like when you watch the opening credits, it's like his name is pops up quite a bit. Um, Yeah. And it's really strange and awesome. Like it's just, we kept seeing when we were watching Better Call Saul, we kept seeing these previews for the show. And I'm like, I don't know what this, it also has Sally Fields. So hello. So hello. (laughs) Yeah. We kept seeing these previews for this dispatches from elsewhere. And I said to Scott, like, I have no idea what that show is about, but I think we should check it out because it looks really intriguing. It's really different, but really cool. It's great. Gosh, if I had to, it's at times reminded me a little bit of the Truman Show and I'm a big fan of the Truman Show. Yes, I love that. Yeah, but there's some, there's another show that it's reminded me of and I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but it's super 
different, but really cool. So I highly recommend that one. Yeah. What about you? Well, I am embroidering. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've never done embroidery before. Oh, fun. And so my friend recommended stamped fabric. So like when you get it, it already has like the shapes or the outline of what you would do. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a paint by numbers, but you're doing it with needle and thread. I actually bought it around winter break, but I am just finding that I'm spending a lot more time looking at a screen. I don't feel good about that. And so rather than look at my phone while we're watching TV at the end of the day, I've been grabbing my embroidery. So I like that idea. That would be good to pick something up like that. There are a ton on Amazon. If you look up stamped embroidery kits, there are some really great ones. So I'm making one right now that's a unicorn and Nina has already decided it will go in her room when I'm done with it. So I just feel like I need to do something yeah. that keeps my hands busy and my brain busy yeah. without it being a screen. Yes, because there's a lot more screen right now. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's really hard on my eyes because I, I have visual issues anyway. So right. oddly enough, because the embroidery is a little bit more muscle memory, it uh-huh. doesn't bother my eyes the way the screen does. That's what I'm consuming. I'm trying not to overconsume. I guess. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for this conversation, Katie. It kind of helped me work through some things myself and hopefully... I do feel better. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it's been helpful for people who are out there trying to wrap their brains around all of this. Yes, we are thinking of you. Stay healthy. Yes, and stay at home if at all possible. Yes. All right. Well, have a good one, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.